title of this sermon is A Father's Desire for His Son. I have two boys now, Ransom and Valor, and I have many wants for them, desires for them. If you're not a parent in this room, you can imagine just for a second that you were, and you would quickly agree that you would desire some things for your kids. If you're a child in the room, younger, a single, you have desires for your life. It may be for fruit snacks, maybe for some candy in this room, maybe for whatever you want as a child, but you have desires for yourself. But the truth about God's Word is that God's Word, it aligns our desires, it corrects our desires. And this morning, I want to call our attention to our desires for our kids as we think about this dedication, as I think about my boys and for my wife and I, what we desire for our sons, I want our desires to be submitted to the Lord. So, I mean, I don't want to just make up desires. Here's what I want for my sons, and, and all of a sudden it, it sounds very similar to the things of the world, the things that a non-Christian would want for their sons or daughters. What is the word, how does the word shape our desires, mine in particular and yours, um, yours in particular as well? So our desires need to be shaped and submitted to God's Word. We want them to be Word-shaped, not worldly-shaped. Word-shaped, not Word-shaped. And so we're going to look at a unique father-son relationship in the Bible. Paul to Timothy. Now, they're not physical sons, but Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy didn't grow up. He grew up in a home with his mother and his grandmother. They were godly women who talked to him about Jesus and Timothy, by what we can understand, did become a Christian at an early age, but he was raised by his grandmother, and he grew up in the city of Lystra, in the kind of the region, the territory of... It was a Christian home, and Paul, on his second missionary journey, picked up young Timothy with him to go with him on the missionary journey and begin to travel with him. Paul would become a father figure for Timothy... He treated Timothy as a son. He, he spoke with terms of endearment to him um, in such a way that many physical fathers don't know how to. He spoke lovingly, and he laid out some desires for him in this passage here today. Uh, Philippians, before we get into 2 Timothy, and I'm going to lay these out. This sermon is going to, and I commit to my, I'll give you my word, and then I'm going to stick to it. I am going to go rather quickly this morning. We're not going to spend a lot of time on these passages, but I do want to spend a couple minutes looking at Philippians uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 19 through 22. And here's, I want to kind of lay out the relationship that Paul and Timothy had. Here's what Paul had to say about Timothy. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I may be cheered so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me and trust the Lord that shortly I myself will come to you also. Paul recognized about Timothy that Timothy looked at him with fatherly affection. Timothy looked to Paul, even though they weren't physically family. Paul, that we know of, 
was never married or he was married and his wife died, but we don't believe that he had any children. And so Paul, as Timothy was looking to Paul as a father, Paul was looking to Timothy as a son. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, in writing the letter to Timothy, he writes, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my beloved child. My beloved child. He loved Timothy. He really loved Timothy. In 2 Timothy, verse 1 through 3 and 4, we read this. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Paul saying, Timothy, I remember you constantly. You're my boy. Day and night I think about you. Verse 4, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. This father is committed to the tears of his son. Paul really loves Timothy. It seems extra clear here that Paul's heart is in a direction, and that direction is to this beloved son of his, Timothy. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is In you, through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So Paul remembered Timothy constantly in his prayers. He remembered Timothy's tears. Timothy's pain was Paul's pain. Seeing Timothy brought Paul great joy. And Timothy, not having a father, looked to Paul as a son. So I say all of this to say, as we look at this passage... Even though it isn't a physical sonship here, we are seeing a father's desire for his son. And I think it would be wise for us to consider, what does Paul desire for Timothy? And maybe, just maybe, we can adopt some of those things as we commit our children before the Lord here today. And as you are are still growing in your faith as parents of younger and then older children, maybe our desires need to be forged a little bit this morning by God's word. Maybe we need to lay down worldly desires and take up godly, biblical desires for our children. All that said, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. Here's what it says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard me from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach it to others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead the offspring of David, as preached by my gospel. So we're going to see seven desires that Paul has for Timothy. Seven desires that Paul has for Timothy. Verse 7 says, think over what I say. So I'm going to challenge you to take these things you're going to hear quickly and to think about them. Paul invites us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to use our brains. And, And let us be Careful not to give all our critical thinking away to our work and hobbies 
And let us be quick to give our critical thinking to God's word. Because, after all, if we will think over these things, the Lord will give us understanding in everything. Not that we will understand everything, but will give us understanding in everything. And maybe that thing we don't understand about our kids, we can finally understand that we can trust him. So we may not understand it all, but we will have the understanding that we can trust the Lord in everything. So let's think over these things, trusting that God is going to help us and give us understanding in everything. So number one, verse one lays this out. You, my child, the first desire is that Timothy would be strengthened by grace. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul wants Timothy to be strengthened by the grace of Jesus. It's fascinating. He wants the spiritual food and the spiritual drink of Timothy to be God's grace. Grace for Timothy wasn't simply something that got him in this Christian faith, but Paul desired Timothy not to be strengthened by the power of God and the power and the working of his might, although that is true. In this instance... Paul is appealing to Timothy to be strengthened by grace. And what's fascinating about that is it's, it's an appeal not to Timothy's strength, but to God's strength. Because grace is there because we need it. And Paul is recognizing in Timothy that Timothy needs grace. And thank God that he gives us grace and he wants for his son to be strengthened by it. Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is foundational. And for us, it would be wise for us to, be, uh, to adopt this. There's more of grace that can be discovered, especially in our children's life and in our lives. Here's what I hope for my sons. I hope my sons don't become Christians, pray the prayer, get baptized, and think, I've got this grace thing. I've got it. I want them to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Uh, 2004, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. My mom's right back there. My parents both talked to me about Jesus. And, but in 2004, uh, this grace thing happened to me. Chuck Swindoll wrote a book years ago. And I know that Dan Malore read this book. It's called Grace Awakening. And, and whatever you want to call it, in 2004, my life was just completely turned upside down by God's grace. That God's grace actually saves me. And it saves me. It sustains me. I'm not saved by grace and kept by works, but I'm saved by grace and kept by grace? Are you kidding me? His grace will lead me home. It will train me in godliness. So Paul desires for Timothy to understand and be strengthened in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. If they don't understand the gospel of grace, if they don't understand Jesus, it is a reality that our kids can live their entire lives of, of works-based righteousness, trying to earn something that can't be earned and try to pay for something that can't be paid for. And they'll live for approval and they'll live for your eye to be upon them to say, good job, great job, which we should say. But more than my words of affirmation to them, I want them to know God's approval over them. So I want my sons to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Two, in verse two, I want my son to be an entruster. Now this point in verse two has first applications toward pastors, but it has secondary applications that are true and universal to all Christian parents. Because after all, Paul doesn't introduce himself and say, I'm Pastor Paul to Pastor Timothy. He's talking with language of sonship. This is family language, my son, my son, my son. So although it does have implications for pastors, this has implications for our children as well. 
I hope that my son is an entruster. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach it to others also. Paul wants Timothy to be the kind of man who doesn't have to be the man. Who doesn't have to have all the power. Paul wants for Timothy, he wants him to be the kind of man that's secure enough to entrust other people with power rather than to hoard it all. Timothy, through his giftings and his association with Paul, could have been a hoarder with power. He could have held up and said, I'm the preacher here. I'm the one who's got the giftings. I'm the one who the apostles laid hands on and prayed for. I'm the one. But Paul wants Timothy to be an entruster of this message to other people that the message would continue to go out. And it takes a secure person to not gather power around yourself to build a name for yourself. And in this world, the way of the world is to teach our kids to make a huge splash, to make a name for yourself, to go out and be somebody. And yes, praise God, we want our sons and our daughters to do huge things, big things for God, but God gets to define what those big things are. And big things defined by the world and by the internet and, the, and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, God doesn't care about any of that nonsense. I think God cares about the Oscars. All the people making a big name for themselves, and God's thinking, ooh, those people are pretty cool. Gosh, they think, think me today, biting his nails and eating his popcorn and filling out his brackets of who's going to win. Okay, Paul wants for Timothy to be the kind of man who's secure enough to entrust the work, to give it out, to be the kind of person that wants to see others flourish and doesn't use people to make him flourish. To be the kind of person who looks and says, what can I do to make you successful? What can I do to see the grace of God poured into your life? What can I do? I want to entrust this message of grace to you. What kind of grace do you need to hear today, Joe? What kind of grace do you need to hear today? And I want my sons to grow up looking, not just to, who, who can I suck the life out of today, but who can I give life to today? This is what Paul wants for Timothy. I don't want my sons to live for their glory. They're growing up in a selfie culture already. So let's give a bigger vision to our children for living, a bigger mission, a bigger vision than their reflection in the mirror. How about? Offer it to them. This world is giving them messages about the self that's all wrong. Find your own way. You're amazing. You don't need anything from anybody. You just discover greatness within. That is a lie. Our kids are needy. They're needy of God's grace. They're needy of living for a bigger mission than themselves. So I want our ch children, I want my sons to be entrusters of the mission, the message. They don't have to make a name for themselves. They have a better name to live for, and that is Jesus. Three, third desire Paul shares for his son Timothy is this desire to share in suffering in verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Timothy, Jesus ran into the suffering of this world. You are a soldier of Christ. You run into suffering as well. 
When you see people hurting, Timothy, don't close your eyes and walk the other direction. When you see the Samaritan hurt in the road, don't walk around him. You be the one that picks him up and brings him to the end. Share in suffering. When you see people weeping, Timothy, go weep with them. Hurt with them. Get up next to them and say, I got you a cup of coffee. Can you cry on my shoulder? Timothy, don't be the kind of man that looks at challenges, looks at difficulty, and runs. Timothy, share in suffering. We don't want sons and daughters who refuse to weep with those who weep because it makes them weep. That looks to somebody crying and says, don't make me cry. But sons and daughters who grow up and say, I'll cry with you. I feel your pain. Your pain is my pain. I'm not going to let you be alone here. Share in suffering. If you want a life that makes no difference in all, run from all the suffering you see in the world. If you want to not make a difference, when live this life, basically live a meaningless life, just run from all pain. Run from it all. But if you want to live for God's glory and His purposes, the Holy Spirit will lead you into situations where you are sharing in suffering. And some of us are going to have to suffer together. We're going to come alongside and we're not, going to, we're not going to hang up the phone and say, forget it, don't tell me about it, it's too painful for me. I'm going to come to Lucas and Lucas is going to come to me and we're going to pray together. We're going to ask the Lord to intervene. We're going to ask the Lord to help us share in suffering. Fourth, fourth desire that Paul has for Timothy is to be a soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Be a soldier. The soldier who gets caught up in civilian pursuits lives outside his purpose. The soldier has a job to do, a mission that he's a part of that's bigger than himself. Timothy, don't leave your post. Stay. Don't get sidetracked. There are a lot of things in this life, Timothy, that are going to pull your eyes from the kingdom of God. There's going to be the praise of people. There's going to be money. There's going to be power. There's going to be sex. There's going to be success. And it's going to pull you away. But no civilian, no soldier turns his eye and goes and gets in civilian pursuits. You are God's child. We get to live for his purposes. And that's what we want for our kids. Soldiers. I want my sons to know that God has invited them into a mission that's huge. That goes beyond our generation into the next generations and in throughout this globe. I want our sons and daughters to know that we must fight to deny ourselves and to follow the Lord. Uh, our kids need to know that life is hard. It's joyful and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And there's things like dogwood trees right outside this door. They're beautiful. That's going to bloom here in a few weeks. It's beautiful. We need to teach them to pause and look at that and say, God made that. Isn't he creative? How wonderful that in a fallen world, he still gives us gifts like that. We need to teach them that. We also say, son, you need, daughter, you're going to have to fight for some things. This world hates truth. In a culture of cowards, Neil McClendon says, in a culture of cowards, truth is hate speech. And if you say you know anything beyond 2 plus 2 equals 4, you will be called a bigot. 
And you need to know that things are hard. If you're going to stand up for the dignity of manhood and womanhood in the coming generations to say that men and women are more than equal, they're men and women, and femininity and masculinity is a gift from the God of the universe, it means something, you're going to have to fight for that. You're going to have to know humbly how to fight for it. It's easy to fight arrogantly. It takes the Holy Spirit to fight humbly. But our kids need to know they're soldiers. Five, Paul wants for Timothy, he wants Timothy to have a higher authority. Five, we see this, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We've got a basketball coach in the back and we'll put him on the spot, but when you play basketball, if you don't go by the rules, you get a foul. Is that right? You get, you get a foul. I mean, if the kids go in and they just play it and play the sport and just come up with their own rules, which would be consistent with the way our world thinks today, just say, hey, just make your own rules and just go out there and play, you know, do whatever you want. But sports... You can't win unless you follow the rules. There's a higher authority than the players. And as we think, the athlete, he can't get the prize unless he goes according to the rules. In life, I want our children, I want my sons to know there is a greater, greater authority than you. And for ransom and valor, if they think, well, here's what I think, I want to be able to say, you know what, well, here's what God thinks about that. Here's what God has said about that. There is a higher authority. And I want them to know and believe in the authority of the Bible. God has spoken. We don't have to wonder what God has to think about stuff. We can go to his word. He's spoken. Sons, ransom, valor would come to me. Why? How do you hear God speak? Well, buddy, he's speaking right here. Just open your Bible. Let's hear him speak. Let's just go hear him. We're not left without a word, buddy. God's spoken to us. Sitting in my room, little boy, and mom asked, I asked my mom, how do I hear God speak? And she told me some stuff, walks out of the room. I, wrote, I opened up to Hebrews chapter 1. If you get a chance, write that down. Go read Hebrews chapter 1, just the first few verses. And as a little boy, I knew God has spoken to me in his word. Just go read that. I saw the word spoke in the last days. God has spoken. It's exactly what I needed to hear. He spoke to me through his words. I want my sons, I want us, I want our kids to know they have a higher authority. Six. I want them to be patient and persistent because the farmer is patient and persistent. <clears throat> Look at this, six. It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Hardworking farmer. If you're going to be a farmer, you have to work hard for delayed reward. You just do. Your days are long, you work hard, and it looks like you did nothing that day. I'm just looking here, I put some pesticides on it, there's still no corn growing up. Like, and then you wait a couple weeks, and slowly, you just can't see, you just can't watch it grow. The far farming is hard work today. This is what com one commentary said. Especially, it was hard in the first century. Farmer's life involved, a farmer's life, inv life involved early and long hours, because he couldn't lose time. Constant toil, plowing, sowing, ten tending weeds, uh, uh, pulling out weeds, reaping, storing, regular disappointments, frost, pests, disease, Little rain, too much rain, required patience. Everything is happening in less than slow motion. It required you to be okay, kind of tucked in close with boredom, even. The farming life. The farming life. There is reward coming, the first share of the crops. Reward coming for that patient and persistent farmer. And I want to live in such a way that I mo model for my kids the farming life. Patience. And persistence. Paul wanted this for Timothy. And then he calls us in verse 7, what I referenced in the first part of the sermon, to think about these things. Parents, it would be wise of us to go back and study this passage and to think about these things. 
Do we have word-shaped desires for our children? But desire seven is still on the list in verse eight. Verse eight, remember Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead, the offspring of David is preached by my gospel. Now verse 9 through 13 is kind of commentary on verse 8. So I'm not going to preach that whole section. The last thing listed in this passage from Paul to Timothy, to his dear child, is something interesting. Remember Christ Jesus. Timothy's a pastor in Ephesus. Did Paul think he forgot? Paul, you don't need to tell Timothy to remember Jesus Christ. It's too basic. Really? But Paul doesn't want Timothy to forget the risen Lord. The fickleness of humanity is seen in our forgetfulness. We forget God's faithfulness from one day to the next. Our capacity for anxiety and worry is pretty amazing. And God's capacity for provision is seen in the history of our journals, testimony times. God has been faithful over and over and over again. And this simple thing, Paul to Timothy, hey, Timothy, remember Jesus. Don't forget him. He's the point. Some of you maybe here today have forgotten about Jesus. Now, you know, like you know Jesus, but the simplicity of walking with him and loving him, and by God's grace, understanding what he did for you. That news has kind of gotten old a little bit, or maybe stale. And I want to look at my boys when they're older, walking with the Lord, and I want to look them square in the eyes. And I, I want them to look at me and say, Dad, remember Jesus? And I want to look back and say, Son, remember Jesus. Isn't he great? Isn't he awesome? It doesn't have to be complicated. Remember Jesus Christ as preached by my gospel. We all need to remember Jesus. We want our kids to remember Jesus. We want them to know Jesus. Ransom and valor. It's like, don't grow cold the older you get. Remember Jesus. He's alive. He's the promised king as preached by my gospel. Don't forget. And in closing... Here's the deal. I long for my sons to be something more than my sons. Son is an important title in this life. My true child in the faith. And guys, team, you can go ahead and worship team, whatever you guys can go ahead and come up. For our sons and daughters, here's the deal. We want them to become our brothers and sisters. The title brother and sister puts them in the kingdom of God. The title of my son doesn't. We want them, I want my sons to be my brothers. That title is more important to me than them being my sons. Period. I want them to know Jesus. And so, I want to show them that knowing Jesus is a far better life than anything else. I want my life to model that. I want them to have a heavenly father like I have a heavenly father. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to know that even if they're struggling, here's, here's the key, even if they don't remember... If they're his, Jesus remembers them. And he won't forget. 
his capacity to remember, it's infinite. Our names are written on his infinite hands. His blood was spilled and our names are written in heaven. And I want my boys to know that. I want them to know Christ and know that Christ will never forget them. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Help us to sing to you. It's going to be our joy to do it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.